This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Now and Not Yet. Pressing in when you're waiting, wanting, and restless for more. Written and narrated by best-selling author Ruth Cho Simons and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Welcome to the Grace Enough Podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum. Before we begin this week's conversation, may I ask you a favor? I am surveying Grace Enough listeners so that I can understand and serve you better. The results of this survey will help me in choosing future guests, planning episode series, and with resource creation. If you go to graceenoughpodcast.com slash survey and fill out the short questionnaire between now and May 23rd, 2023, you will be entered for a chance to win a $50 Amazon gift card. That's graceenoughpodcast.com slash survey. The link can also be found in the show notes. Today, I sit down with author, speaker, and podcaster, Shannon Popkin. We are discussing the topic of control and how it can impact our walk with Jesus and with others. We explore the difference between unhealthy control and necessary control. We also discuss the biblical example of Rachel, which is one of seven women Shannon writes about in her book, Control Girl. You will also hear us discuss practical ways to relinquish control in order to live a surrendered life to God. Good afternoon, Shannon, and welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. Oh, it's so good to be here, Amber. I love it. I like when I get to have people on that I've met in real life. I don't know. It's right. just it's just nicer. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah, it's fun to re- I never get to see you. So this is I know. really cool. <laughs> it is, right? And then yeah. also when it's people that you don't really know super well, but you know a little yeah. bit, you get to like learn a little bit more about their story and things like that. So Oh, you may learn way more than you want to about me. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> That's my topic. favorite. <laughs> That's my favorite thing though, Shannon, is none of of us have it all together. So mm. whatever you see out there in the, you know, Instagram world or whatever, it's just there's always more behind yes. the scenes. Oh, so there is, there is. <laughs> well, with that, share a little of your early faith journey with us. Like how did you first begin walking with Jesus? Well, I was born into a family. I was the oldest and at about two years old, my parents decided that they they wanted to reignite their faith. They wanted to start going back to church. So for me, growing up as a child, they were excited about their faith. We were part of a mm. really exciting church. I loved being at church. I loved all things church. Um, and so I gave my life to Jesus as a four-year-old. I was captivated by the story of Nicodemus, which I think I had heard in Sunday school. Um, and I just, you know, I was outside playing and I was thinking about like eternal life. Like, you know, I want, Mm. I want what that man wanted. And I went and asked my mom about it and she thought I was too little, but then I started crying. And so she let me (laughs) (laughs) respond to the gospel. And, um, so yeah, I mean, I have loved Jesus for as long as I can remember. There Mm. were, there was a point where, you know, I had to grapple with, am I going to accept Jesus, not just as my savior, but also as my Lord, you know, as mm-hmm. many of us do, I think, I think as kids, we don't necessarily count the cost, but that's yeah, right. But I, I would say early college years is when I really Same. devoted, yeah, devoted my life to following the Lord. 
Yeah. I mean, I have said multiple times on here how grateful I am for college ministry, right? I don't know mm -hmm. if you're involved in college ministry, but I mean, that's where I met my best friends and it's just yeah. such a formative time in your life. And to do it, learning to like dig into God's word with other people, it is yeah. just one of God's greatest gifts to me. Yeah. I got to go to Liberty University and I also worked at camps in the summer. And so those oh, were nice. very formative years. Yeah. Got to that's serve, awesome. but also be served. It was, it was amazing. Well, today we are talking with one of my top or talking about one of my top struggles as well, and that is control. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yes. so, but <laughs> I think that you and I have this in common, but we're going to hear a little bit more about your story. And that is, I didn't really know that I had, that I really battled control and needed it all the time until I became a mother. And so mm. share a little bit of your story with us, like when you kind of just came up against that wall of, oh my goodness, I'm a bit of a control freak. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't think many people do know that they are controlling. I mean, if there's one response that is just significantly the majority of people, it's like, oh, I read this book, Control Girl. I did. I had no idea that I was controlling. Um, mm -hmm. I think, you know, so I think that's kind of a, a shared perspective. I think, you know, I've never been in a Bible study where somebody even was willing to say, would you pray for me? I'm a controlling woman. Like, it's just not a word that we use. It's not, so you know, we might say, pray for me. I struggle with anger or anxiety or something like that, but mm. not control. It's just this taboo thing that we don't. So I never considered myself controlling. Um, but like you said, it was like early marriage and parenting where, I mean, the problem was he was doing it wrong. <laughs> Like he was doing it all. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, that is talking... not me, Shannon. That is not me. Oh my gosh. It totally is. Sorry. No, and it was, no, it was, it was little things and big things. It was like little things like house projects, you know, or it was, it was how he was parenting. It was the things that he was doing. It was behavior out in public. Like he would always fall asleep on people. And that drove me insane. Um, you know, so like there was one time we were, at, we, were, we were new to a community and some neighbors had us over for dinner and in their living room, he fell asleep while we're talking. And I was just, I remember walking home from their house. I was so furious with him. I'm like yeah. pumping my arms because they were, they lived close enough. We could walk. I'm like pumping right. my arms in the dark. Like you humiliated me, you know, oh, next yeah. time you, you're going to guzzle coffee every time we set foot <laughs> on the door. I mean, and so I was really focused on fixing him, you know, yeah. or fixing the problems that I saw, like, and I did not see that as control. I just thought of myself as invested. You know, I clearly, he does not understand <laughs> how you're supposed to, especially parenting, you know, because that's, Oh yes. Cause we're all yeah. the world's best parents until, well, <laughs> until we're and not. <laughs> I, and I think moms and dads parent differently in general, you know, there are some super protective dads, but mine wasn't, he, he just wasn't. I remember uh, watching him walk into the gas station with one of our kids and he was a toddler and he wasn't holding his hand. Mm. And I mean, you know, he's like a few steps behind, like lagging. And I'm like, honey, I go running over, like you have got to mm. hold his hand. And so I didn't see these as, and, and I mean, okay, I would actually warrant that. Like there is, I, I don't think it's wrong. I don't think it was wrong for me to say, honey, you know, he could wander. You're not watching him. Like there's cars, like, don't you think? But mm -hmm. it's different. That's a different scenario than saying, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, just coming oh, yeah. unglued and feeling like 
I have got to control this all. I, you know, I, what's going to happen if I don't, this is right. So, yeah. So that one I'm for many years with me, just seeing myself as invested as I've got ideas of how it's supposed to turn out and maybe being a little, uh, inserting a little too much control into my marriage and parenting. Were you, were some of your thoughts like, I can't do anything else, but all of this, because if I don't keep doing all of this, then it's all going to fall apart. Oh yeah. If I That's don't stay- what's familiar to me. Like when I finally started letting go of a little bit of like, you know what? No, it's okay. If you come home and the house is a complete and total train wreck because you were gone for two days. Like th- mm-hmm. that is actually okay. If he cooks green beans different than you. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, yeah. And I mean, feeling like I had to oversee things because a mistake had been made. Amber, I remember mm. one time my husband, I mean, he's just not, he's not really into home improvement stuff. I remember yeah. one time we, he cut off a door because we got new carpeting. And so, and it wasn't opening. I come down the hallway and I see this like thin line of daylight coming through the top of the door. What I realized mm. is, oh, he cut off the wrong end and then he glued it back <laughs> he has given me permission to share this story because he thinks it's hilarious here. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, and I, I just there was just a lot to manage. But here's something that I didn't realize. As I was just hovering and mm-hmm. inserting myself, I I did not realize that by me taking control, he was reading that as disrespect. My controlling behavior, what I was actually saying to him was, you're, you can't do it wrong. I've got to be here. I've got to watch you like a little kid. Mm-hmm. It was so, and he would, he was perceiving that as disrespect and he was pulling back from me. Mm-hmm. He was putting walls up. There was a lot of anger flare ups and I didn't realize just how disrespectful I was being. Now yeah. that I look back, I see it. It's, it was a lot uglier than I realized at the moment. Yeah. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. Well, so when did you realize, like, okay, this is this is something more than just, I'm really great at all this and I need it to kind of run a certain way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think, you know, God started opening my eyes to my sin. You know, yeah, my husband had stuff to work on, but God could manage that. I didn't need to be his own personal Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, and and it was realizing um, there was a lot of anger 
in our marriage now, always behind closed doors. If you had met us in church, like you would have never dreamed, but at home, there were a lot, there was a lot of tension. There was a lot of anger. And, um, I remember this was, this was a key moment in discovering control as my problem. I was driving in the car, listening to Dee Breston on the radio. And she's talking about how there are these surface level sins that we see and are aware of, like sort of like dashboard indicator sins, Mm -hmm. but sometimes they're tied to something deeper beneath the surface. And she mentioned the sin of control. Mm. And it was the first time I'd ever tied my anger to Mm. like, I'm getting mad. I'm blowing up because of the things that I want to control or that I'm losing control of. So it was just this, this light bulb moment. Cause I had been very aware of my anger. I was reading books about anger, asking friends to pray for me, but that was a turning point where I started. So in the coming months, and, and I would invite our guests to do the same thing in the coming months, when I would feel the anger rising, I would start asking myself this question, is there some deeper desire that I have that's feeding this anger? Like, is it related to control? Yeah. And more often than not, the answer was, was yeah. And, and so (laughs) anger, anger is a really big indicator, but also I think like anger, my own personal anger, but anger in relationships, like if there's tension, that can be a really big indicator that is trying to control. But also I think anxiety, fear, Mm. because those are also, those are little dashboard indicators too. What, what I'm saying is like, I'm afraid of what I don't have control of, like the future or, you know, my anxiety over all the little details that I can't control. And also I see perfectionism in that same category, because when I'm obsessive, you know, and I have to have every little thing perfect, it's usually because I'm trying to manage some desired outcome. I'm I'm thinking like, if I can manage all of the contingencies, well, then I can have this happy ending that I've set my sights on. So all of those, I mean, those were the things that God was using to open my eyes, mm-hmm. you know, to this problem with control, anger, anxiety, fear, perfectionism. I relate so much to that anger. You, because, have you seen, have you seen oh, some yeah. of those in your life? Well, and even things like now I'm I'm working more through like trying not to react so much, but when I started noticing the reason why you're so frustrated right now is because, you know, your kids are making a mess in the kitchen. And that's really because there's only one way that the kitchen is supposed to be. <laughs> and, you know, what are you actually preventing them from learning? Yeah. Because you have to have the environment a certain way. Mm. Yeah, oh. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and really what I w- wanted to be an exceptional mom. And I wanted to have an exceptional house. I wanted everything tidy. I wanted really well-behaved kids. I had big goals for my family. (laughs) So it felt like if I didn't manage all of those little things, well, I was losing, losing control. But what I didn't realize is all of the pressure that I was pumping into our house of Mm. having to have everything perfect. I was actually, you know, I was trying to create this happy ending, but I was causing a lot of hurt yeah. and struggle and pain that that has taken us years really oh. to unravel and deal with. And I'm still dealing with it today, Amber, like my wow. relationship with my kids yeah. and my husband, there are still some sticking points where like, okay, this is something that for decades, mm-hmm. you know, I had reacted certain ways, anger, anxiety, you know, mm-hmm. and it's a process of surrendering yeah. control. Well, and I think that's the thing that I, I want to ask you about a little bit is because you mentioned earlier, all control is not bad control. Like we know God is in control. We know teaching our kid, holding our kids hands mm-hmm. when they cross the street until they learn is a control that we're supposed to have. You know, God asks us to have self-control. So 
how would you describe like healthy, necessary control versus Mm -hmm. unhealthy? Now I know uh, what the indicators are because we've talked about those a little bit, but just some of the like, I don't know, flesh that out a little bit for us. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if there's a mom who's like thinking, well, okay, I'll just shrug and let them destroy the kitchen and, you know, live their lives. And I don't, you know, I don't really know how it's going to turn out, but guess it's not my problem. No, that's not what we're saying here. Right. Right. right? We're not suggesting just passivity or self, like that's really not controlling ourselves. Mm. So, and, and, you know, self-control is a fruit of the spirit. So I think what's really helpful for me is to ask, okay, what has God given me control of and what has he not given me control of? So Mm. I kind of like to divide it up into two categories. Here's what I can control. Here's what I cannot control. And so like two good responses would be, well, what can I, what can I control? Ultimately I can control myself, right? I can control my attitudes, my reactions. I have, I can have self-control. So holding control of myself and then folding my hands with everything mm. else in that in that other category of the things that I can't ultimately control hold and fold and and we as control girls as i like to call us <laughs> we tend to do exactly the opposite of that amber you know we tend to lose control of ourselves like obsessing over the ki- like walking in on the kitchen it's a mess and blah, blowing our stack right <laughs> but then so we could control ourselves right but but then leaving the rest ultimately in God's hands. And so like, let's take that parenting situation where you walk in and the kitchen's a mess and you're frustrated, you know, mm-hmm. and partly that's just us. We like things neat, right? Okay. Right. But we lose control of ourselves and we lose the opportunity to teach our kids. Like we lose a teachable moment mm-hmm. and we really actually lose influence over them because they know the difference, right? They know the difference between our our godly mom. And so we don't, we want to, in our holding control of ourselves, we want to manage the influence that we have over, Mm. over our kids. Um, But I, I think, you know, when we're trying to control the little things, we really often have our sights on something further out. I kind of mentioned this before, but we're trying to create these outcomes. Mm -hmm. And I think we've got to go further out and surrender those to the Lord. We've got to go, you know, like to the end of the story and, and try and manage like, okay, even if I maintain a really tidy household and, and raise these kids well, and, or, or whether, you you know, in the workplace, I do my job really well, or I, um, you know, take the next steps or whatever to better myself. Well, even if like, I do not have control over the outcome, I could get cancer. I could get hit by a car. One of my kids could flunk out of school. I don't, (laughs) I don't have, my hands can't reach far enough into the future to manage all of those things. Yeah. And so when I'm trying to play God, nobody who tries to play God does a very good job of it. So it's, it's going to the end of the story and recognizing, you know what, God is ultimately in control of that. Mm-hmm. And he has promised such good things for those who follow him. And I'm talking about things that are beyond the finish line of our lives mm-hmm. here. He is working all things together for good. And can we trust him with that? Um, and, and when we're able to settle the end of the story, I think it helps us to flip back to the page that we're on, that we're currently living. So true. And just open our hands, you know, mm-hmm. I know one of the 
really most profound things. My husband loves to listen to Dallas Willard and um, I had Jim Brian Smith on the show and he was really good friends with Dallas. And he said, you know, I went to visit this group of pastors in Australia where Dallas had been, you know, Dallas had already passed away and they were so excited to give me this mug. And they handed me this like little mug and on it, it said, you don't have to make it happen. And that was something Dallas had said to them about church growth. Uh-huh. And just that simple little phrase of, you know, you hold so much responsibility. Yes. And we teach people to be responsible, but it's not our place to make it happen. Like the final outcome is not up to us. And that's really in everything, right? It's true. And and I think when we do try to make it, our, yeah, we just stress you know, everybody else out. We do. We make everybody miserable in the process. When we try to make it happen, yeah, we're we're actually damaging mm-hmm. the whole family Ugh. system. I I had this moment when this really became clear to me. God had already been opening my eyes to this problem of control, but there was this day in Bible study where I asked the women in my group to go around the circle and share a relationship that they wanted us to pray about. So I thought maybe we'd hear about some kids or some marriages. But instead, Amber, every single woman around the table that day shared about a really controlling mom or a really controlling mother-in-law. Wow. And yeah. And after they shared, I I was like, I leaned into the table and I said, you know what? I have a question here. All these, and now I have to say it was right before the holidays. <laughs> and if there's, ever, you know, if there's ever a time that yeah, we're our control, our inner controlling person wants mm-hmm. to rear her ugly head. Well, it's holidays, it's weekends, it's vacations, those times that we have these ideas of how everything is supposed to go. Right. True. But in the setting, these women were, you know, I was just seeing into their lives and I, and I, I leaned into the circle and I said, how do we not become them? Like, how do we Mm -hmm. in, in 15 or 20 years from now, how do we ensure that it's not our daughters and our daughter-in-laws sitting Mm -hmm. around this table asking And the prayer request is us Mm -hmm. because in my case, I could see that happening. Oh, me too. It was a moment, Amber, of me counting the cost mm-hmm. because it felt like little things, you mm-hmm. know, with me blowing this, my stack or yep. arguing with my husband about which parking place to park oh my in gosh. or, or the, yes. the stupid little things. But it, it was this moment of like, you know, I had thought about what my controlling tendencies could do to an mm. evening out with my husband or a, a weekend trip with my kids. I had thought about the short term. I hadn't really thought about where it was taking me in life, who I was becoming. Yeah. Because I think that's part of the danger it when is. we have this assumption that we can control, that we should control when we actually think of it as a noble thing. And a lot of us do like subconsciously, we think it's a noble and right thing. It's dangerous to who we're becoming. It's Mm -hmm. really unraveling all of the things that we are trying to create. Mm. Oh, it's so true too, because once it's really habitual, it can be really, really hard to see um, that anything is wrong, right? Like it kind of takes a vulnerable situation where you're sitting around a table Or you're really spending time in the word and allowing God to examine your heart. And you have to really pay attention like, oh my gosh, I am totally doing this. And it's really destructive to everyone, including me. And, you know, there was another little piece of the puzzle, a key that kind of turned the lock for me that might be helpful to to share. Like if, if somebody is recognizing, oh yeah, I don't think I've really thought about where this is taking me in life either. 
as Shannon shares what she learned about Genesis 3.16, I thought it was worth mentioning there are differing interpretations of this Genesis 3 passage. One altering view was mentioned in episode 210 with Wendy Alsip. If you have a desire to research further, I've linked that episode as well as an article on the topic for you in the show notes. I was listening to a sermon one time about Genesis 3, 16, which is God's response to Eve after she eats the fruit. He's speaking these consequences into place. And he talks first about you're going to have pain in childbearing. And we all recognize that pain, right? But the second thing he says is you're going to have this desire to control your husband. The wording is your desire will be for your husband. And I, I always, i never understood that. I thought it was a sexual desire. And I thought, well, if we have more of that, I don't, that's messed up. Right. Because that's and, not and true. It's not going to think of that as a consequence. Like, you know, if, <laughs> but that's right. Um, that's right. But it, this, the sermon with John Piper, he's speaking about this verse and he compares the wording there to Genesis four, where God's speaking to Cain and saying, you know, sin, it's desire is for you. It wants to overrule you. It wants to take over your life. He's saying to Eve, you're going to have this desire to overrule your husband. It's like the subversive desire. You're going to want to take over his life. You're going to be like, mm. you know, the way God paints the picture with um, Cain is like sin is crouching. It's like this animal waiting to pounce on you. And so if you take that meaning back to Eve, like Eve, you're going to be like an animal pouncing ready to overtake your husband. And I recognized myself in that. I was like, yeah, I, well, I do too. Yeah. yeah. Like no wonder I was trying to undermine my husband, talk over him. You know, I was emasculating him. Like, no wonder that verse, I I remember listening to that sermon. I was painting the laundry room for some reason. I'm listening to the sermon while I'm painting. And I remember that just standing on the side of the ladder with the paint dripping off my brush. I was thinking, oh my goodness, no wonder this is a problem in my life. It, start, it started back with not responding to God's authority correctly. You know, when Eve took that fruit, she took control when she rejected God's one and only rule. She was rejecting his rule over her life. And so his consequence, Ray Ortland sees a connection between the two. She's going to take control. He's going to allow her to become controlling. And so when I put that together, I was like, okay, this is a spiritual problem. This is a spiritual mm. consequence. It goes all the way back to the story of Eve and, and it really relates to the bigger story. So I think like part of our issue with control, Amber, I think we've got to back up and look at the bigger story because the story of the Bible is us rejecting God's rule and him making a way back for us to live under his rule and have that reconciliation in our, in our relationships. But as controlling women, what we do is like, we, we take our own little world tucked inside that world. We make it our story. We, we hijack the story that God is telling the story that we're part of. And, and we just want to make it all about us. Yeah. You know, we just want to rule our own little ecosystem, mm -hmm. you know, be control over our, the things that matter to us, our people, our goals, our house, whatever. Yeah. And and so I think recognizing, taking a step back and looking at this overarching story of God wants for us to go from being these controlling women 
to recognizing, no, he is actually the king. He is the one that we are bending the knee to and surrendering control to. That's, that part was really, really helpful for me seeing yeah. myself in that story. Well, and I think too, it's so important for women to realize that's not God asking you to be mousy. Um, no. If he's giving you leadership qualities or, you know, some people are such wonderful moms and leaders and I personally think some of the best leaders and moms are actually not just moms, wives, whatever role you serve in. And this is a struggle for me are the ones who will give up their influence a little bit and say, let me help you model that too. You know, like, so it's not control as much as it is like mentorship type of um, relationship with people. And I think that can be like the flip side of being the controlling person. Like, no, I can release it to the Lord and I can see that this is how he has created me to be. And I can pour into other people and train them and like allow them to actually gain responsibility through whatever they're doing. And so I don't know if you agree with that or what you want to add to it, but, but that's just what I've seen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, what I think back to is Adam and Eve in the garden, they were given dominion over all the earth. Yeah. God was not cutting them out of anything. They were going to yeah. flourish. They were going to be amazing leaders paired to be leaders, to um, be fruitful and multiply and to keep the garden together. I mean, they they had it all. They had all the responsibility. Um, and yet God asked them by placing this one tree that was off limits, he made it very clear that he was still God, right? Right. Uh, I need you to choose me. <laughs> yes. He was asking them to surrender control to him. So if he, this limit, that's what that represented. It was this tree of the knowledge of good mm -hmm. and evil. And it was off limits to them because there were things that God knew that they didn't know. There were things that God saw that they couldn't mm -hmm. see. But then, you know, they, they reached out, they wanted their eyes to be open. They wanted to know what God knew. They wanted to see what he saw. And, and so really our job is to be all the amazing <laughs> things that God created us to be. Yes. yes. He has given us leadership. He's given us influence. He's That's given right. us work to do. And mousy does not no. fit into that equation. No. <laughs> no, but, but in all of the amazing capacities that God has given us to spend our lives, we must bow our knee to him, right? And, and to his authority over our lives and his order, that is a part of um, living as though God is king instead of us. Yeah. And so that's something in control, girl. You did write about seven different biblical characters, women, that really experience different forms of control. I shouldn't say experience, that exhibit yeah. different types of control. And so... I kind of just want to know, name two or three of the women that you shared, and then maybe share one of those stories and what we see, because we all benefit from examples, right? Yeah. Like you're sharing examples mm -hmm. from your own life, but there is this desire in us as believers, like where is the model where there is no formula, but we know scripture helps us. So share one of those people and maybe just a few of the ones that you write about. Yeah. Well, when I first discovered, you know, my paint story, paint dripping off my, br my brush yeah. um, and learning about Eve and what this consequence meant. Well, I went back to the scriptures thinking like, okay, if, if I'm struggling with control as a result mm. of her consequence, surely I can find other women in the Bible who are also struggling with control. And maybe I can learn some lessons. Maybe I can get God's perspective right? 
And um, so I just started at the beginning, you know, and just started paging through and turns out there were, yeah, there were some control, Quite a few. Yeah. Controlling women in the Bible. And so the ones that I studied in the book were Eve, Sarah, Hagar, Rebecca, Leah, Rachel, and Miriam. But really, yeah, each of their stories, it was so helpful to look at the ways that this this consequence was being played out in their lives, how they were desiring, they were hijacking God's story. They were trying to manage all of the contingencies. They were taking control in the same ways that I do. And they were making everybody miserable also. And so like, what can we learn from their stories? Um, And I mean, every single one of them had different circumstances, different trials, and there's just so much to learn from each of them. But one of my favorites um, is the story of Rachel. Because I approached her story. I I was thinking, oh, you know, she's the beautiful woman that Jacob loved. I thought it was going to be a really charming story. And it wasn't. There's really just, it's not a very redeeming story. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and you know, what I really like to do is compare Rachel with Hannah in the Bible. Mm. um, Because they were, they lived through very, very similar situations. They, um, ridiculously hard situations. They were both. Absolutely. Yep. They were both married to men who had a second wife and their sister wife was having babies and both of Which, them. Which, hold on, I'm going to interrupt you and say, and that might be a control issue that a man struggles with, but that's for oh, a different yeah. podcast episode. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Let's not, yes. let's not forget that men struggle with control too, but just oh, different way. Right. But go ahead. Yeah, sorry. They do. And, and again, polygamy, I think you just said is never condoned in the Bible, but, but these women, they had to live with it just like you and I have to live with really hard situations in our life that God would not condone. Um, and so they're both struggling with infertility, which is an out of control situation. Mm -hmm. Right. And I don't think we can really imagine the pain and the stress because their culture offered them one door, uh, through which they could offer value and productivity, you know, they could be contributors and that was the door of motherhood. And this door was locked to them and they were basically just banging their heads against the the door. You know, they were, mm-hmm. it was so difficult. So here's where they, the contrast comes though. What Rachel did is she took all of that bottled up pain and stress about this thing that she couldn't control. And she turns to her husband, Jacob, and she says to him, give me a baby or I will die. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. She's, she can't stand it. And, and Jacob, I mean, he loves her. I think this story is proof that you can have an adoring husband mm. who puts you first and still be completely miserable. <laughs> right. She, so she is coming to him for what only God can give. And that's what Jacob says. He's like, you know, am I in the place of God? I can't give mm. you a baby. And, and so finally God does hear her cry and gives her this baby. And she names him Joseph and his name, the Bible tells us means may he add, I mean, do you hear the thirstiness? She's Mm -hmm. waited all her life to have this baby so that she can produce, she can be a contributor. And and she looks into his little face and says, yeah, and I want another one too. Mm. You know, may God Mm -hmm. add to my side of the family tree and, and God does give her another baby. And she dies in childbirth. And so it's like her life is cut short. We see basically her story. That's where I say this is a pretty unsatisfying story because her whole life, she's basically pacing in front of an empty crib, demanding her husband to give her something, turning everywhere, but to God, you know, we have the stories of her stealing idols, sitting on them, you know, like she's everywhere, right? She's everywhere, but to God. And she can't, Mm. she doesn't have control. 
She lives her whole life. And meanwhile, if you back up and look at God's perspective on Rachel's story, God has just birthed the nation of Israel, mm-hmm. right? And there and in Joseph is getting is, ready to do like have yes. a hard life, but do like one of the most amazing things that we still exactly. talk about today. And she wasn't there. Joseph, it's so ironic because Joseph understood God's sovereignty. You know, he was the one, he gave up control to God. He, he recognized, you know, you meant this for evil. God meant it for good. He recognized God's sovereignty over the situation, which is like a complete contrast to Rachel. God's hand was obviously on Joseph, but she got to be the mama to Joseph. I I mean, like we all know her name. We all Mm -hmm. know the story of Joseph. I mean, consider like the fame of that or the, the, um, influence she got to have, like, she got to play an amazing role in God's story, but she just couldn't see it. Right. And I think that, you know, that's a good picture of us, but okay. So and it wasn't her, enough. It wasn't enough. It was never that's what control is. It's never enough. It's never right. Never Cause we're enough. never going to get to be God of the whole universe. That's really mm-hmm. what we're looking for. We don't see that, but that's really what we want. So, but then contrast with Hannah, I don't know if you remember her story, but Hannah also was married to a man who had another wife. And this woman was, ha- was actually tormenting her because she had babies and awful Hannah was being teased. So Hannah goes though, she goes to God and she over and over. Yes. But there's this moment she goes to the temple and she is crying out to God. I mean, she is just, um, in this desperate state agonizing to the Lord and so distraught that the priest thinks that she's drunk. (laughs) Remember that? And so, yes, (laughs) Um, but she tells him, no, I'm out of the depths of my despair. I'm pouring this out towards the Lord. She pours out her grief and her resentment to the Lord. And then she goes back and she's settled. She settled it, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure that wasn't a one and done situation. Right. Right. But she basically, she's leaving this in God's hands and then, um, God gives her a child. And do you remember what Hannah does with that child? Well, yeah, she commits him back to the Lord and takes him to the temple and leaves him. I mean, that. I've looked at my middle school girls and said, I just need y'all to know that I wouldn't do that. I mean, and I'm not saying to get the point across that surrender is a really hard thing. Don't take it lightly that Abraham laid his son on a sacrificial, like, don't take that lightly. Don't take it lightly that Hannah longed for a baby and then gave him up at, was it 12 like, uh, no, just a little boy. I was it a little boy? Three. Yeah. Two yeah. or three. Yeah. Don't and, miss that. <laughs> I mean, she loved her baby the same way we love ours oh. is what you're saying, right? There's Yeah. And I'm not giving my. <laughs> <laughs> right. But she did this. I mean, it's yeah. just this extravagant display of surrender. And oh, then yeah. God uses that. God uses both of the sons. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, really what I see is, are we going to be the woman who like paces in front of the empty, whatever, or are we going to be the woman who, who cries out to God and lays whatever it is on the altar. Like this is just uh, the beautiful opportunity that we have. Mm -hmm. Um, Are we going to live for God's story? Are we going to let him oversee, you know, overwrite our story? Or are we going to undermine and try to control and try to get our, you know, get our grip on every little thing, get our hooks in? (laughs) I mean, the choice is up to us. How are we going to live? Are we going to let God be live as though it's true that he's in control, or are we going to live like it's true that we're the ones who are in control? That's right. And if you're someone who really is sitting here going, oh my gosh, this is totally me. You know, I mean, God's mercies are new every day. And so start tomorrow. 
Like, you know, I mean, start today, start right now. And then don't beat yourself up if you fall back into the same traps again, because really that's also a battle with control. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> yes, it is. And I mean, we I have to believe perfect. that's right. We have to believe that God is a merciful and grace-filled God. And so start again. It's never too late to start again. Well, and it's not me rerouting and taking control in this new way by, yeah, that's right. Yes. <laughs> you know, by yes. surrendering to God and I'm going to do it perfect. And because I think sometimes there's this deep, you know, tucked inside the subversive mm-hmm. idea that, oh, well, maybe this is the way then I can get the outcome I'm after if I, it's if I surrender. So, so really the question is if God decides yes or no on the thing that I'm longing for, will I surrender control to him? Yeah. Will I be okay and keep walking forward? Mm-hmm. Well, let's, um, Let's close with this. What are some ways that we can actively in the day-to-day practice relinquishing control? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, we've got to recognize surrender is the opposite of control, right? Mm -hmm. So we're either trying to grip onto control or surrender, open, open-handed surrender before the Lord. Mm. Um, but I think sometimes Amber, we get confused with this word surrender because it sounds like the word serene, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I think we picture ourselves, oh, you know, it's, it's true. you know, with our hands opened and, you know, there's music, right? Exactly. <laughs> and that is just not, that has not been my experience with yeah. surrender. I think a better picture of surrender is Jesus on his knees in the garden of Gethsemane, mm-hmm. like bent over in, in grueling agony. His sweat was like great drops of blood. And he is crying out to the father saying, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, mm. not my will, but yours be done. And um, that, I think that's a better picture of surrender to have in mind. I see surrender as this gritty, gritty battle. It's uphill. It is not because we're still daughters of Eve. We're still going to have this innate desire for as long as we live. You know, I think we're all to some degree going to battle this desire that we have to control, but we can choose to if if we have given our lives to Jesus, right? Yeah. Then yeah. his spirit lives inside of us. So we Amen. also have another way to live. Mm-hmm. We have his spirit guiding us on this gritty uphill battle yeah. of surrender. Um, and so like I kind of differentiate surrender in two ways. Um, I call it big arrow surrender and small arrow surrender, Mm. you know, so big arrow surrender, like that's the big stuff in life. You know, maybe it's a a diagnosis that you didn't, that blindsided you, or maybe it's, um, you know, a wayward child, a prodigal child. Maybe it's an affair in your marriage, like some of those really big, Mm -hmm. heavy things that, you know, there's just huge temptation to try to take control again, um, or to despair if we're losing control. So I think, you know, there is just, I don't think I have to tell you that's going to be a gritty battle, right. To lay that down. Right. But, but I think surrender, if we only rely on those big arrow moments, those might be spaced out every five to 10 years. Right. Hopefully. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) But I think that some of the most transformative moments of the day are those small arrows, you know, those little, yeah, those little moment by moment, because I think they're repetitive. And so they're, mm-hmm. we're practicing something. So like, for instance, what we say, what we eat, what we spend, what we watch, you know, when we go to bed, those little moments oh, yeah. of living as though he is in control. And I am not like I'm surrendering and they're really, they have a lot to do with self-control, right? Mm-hmm. So oh, managing yes. the one person that I can control 
you know, I, I said, it's like a gritty battle. It can be a gritty battle for me over food. Oh, no, I mean, <laughs> like, I'm the same. Because when are things you? aren't going well, or when things aren't in my control, then I can control that. Now, some people mm -hmm. will control it by eating nothing. Yes. So that, I mean, that if you have engaged with people who have eating disorders, it is a thing of control. My roommate yes. would say, I couldn't control anything else, but I could control this. Well, yeah. as for me, it's a control the opposite way. Like I can still control what I'm eating. I just eat whatever I want. You, right. I mean, you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Like, so it goes both yeah. ways. Yeah. A sh an outlet, you know, shopping mm -hmm. or, or binging TV yeah. or whatever it is. Um, like we're losing control of ourselves, but, but with that, when we're hyper controlling about mm -hmm. our calories or our sense, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, have you ever met a woman who's like, no, <laughs> you will not buy that thing or no, you will not watch that, you know, like super controlling. I think what, what's helpful for me is to ask like, okay, is that a fruit of the spirit though? Is that mm. self-control that, that fits with all the other fruits, which are yeah. love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. I mean, it's, it's one fruit with many characteristics That's and right. self-control is one of those. And so I don't, you know, if, if you're an Uber, like you cannot handle any deviation from the plan, that's not fruit of the spirit, self-control, right? Mm -hmm. um, but but I do think that when we're laying down control in these little by little moments of the day, like these all do add up to a new direction in life. I have this small arrow challenge on my, on my website where you get like four, where you pick one thing that you're going to surrender to the Lord, like just one, we can't, we can't pick a whole bunch at once. Right. Nope. But, but there are we're having a plan of I'm going to, whether it's 37 times or 516 times today, <laughs> you know, yes. I'm going to surrender control over this one small thing, what I'm going to say, what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to watch, whatever it is. And that is transformative. And what I love about that, Amber, is we can choose in the next five minutes, a new direction in life. If we mm -hmm. recognize that, you know, we, we've little by little, we've become really controlling women. We're anxious. We're angry. We're perfectionistic. If we see that in our lives, we don't have to have that. We, we have another That's way right. to go. We have a spirit to guide us and we have the power by yes. the resurrected Lord Jesus who lives inside of us. We have the power to surrender control to the spirit we can choose a different path. We can be like Jesus and say, not my will, but yours be done. Well, and I love that you say on your website that you have like that challenge, because I always tell people, I'm like, listen, science is, it's God science. We're mm -hmm. just catching up because the reality is when you make one small choice like that and you commit to that one small thing, it actually does change what's taking place in your brain chemistry to mm -hmm. actually make you choose something different. Like that is what habits are are they they create different pathways in your yeah. brain and mm -hmm. like that's how god's made us and yeah. people will say oh but that's just our brain i'm like no that's also like that's god in us and then the spirit just empowers us to like live that out wholly you know it's yes. such an amazing thing yeah. so can people get that by um look what is your website is that available there still 
Yeah, absolutely. You can go to controlgirl.com and there's that okay. challenge. We have several challenges that you can look at. Yeah. And I mean, you also, uh, you have comparison girl. And so can that, does all of that funnel through shannonpopkin.com or are they yes. all different yep. sites? Okay. Yeah. Awesome. No, it's all, yeah. You'll find all of that stuff there. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you also podcast, so share everyone uh, with everyone what your podcast is just so they can find all the things. Yeah. My podcast is called live like it's true. And we look at different stories in the Bible. So I don't know, maybe you caught on to that Amber. Like, remember I said my, the, the first, my coming to Jesus was, it was a story, the story of Nicodemus and um, like the story of these Bible women. I'm just so captivated by stories. And I think God there, there's so much rich theological truth that we can package up in one of these stories in the Bible and we take it with us, you know, we store it up. So, so that's what we look at on the podcast. Uh, we look at, you know, what is the story teaching? How does it correct the false narratives of the world? And how mm. can we live like this story is true? Well, Shannon, thank you so much for your time and um, for talking to us about control and surrender. Yes, it's been my pleasure. Thank you. Don't forget, I need your help. Please visit graceenoughpodcast.com slash survey to help me out and be entered for a chance to win a $50 Amazon gift card now through May 23rd. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time.